global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are rising after the S&P 500 reached a four-month high yesterday. This is investors assess company earnings releases and data showing the labor market is improving while there's little pickup in inflation. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The S&P E-mini futures up two and a half points. Dow E-mini futures up 27 and NASDAQ E-mini futures up two. The DAX in Germany is up seven tenths percent. Ten-year treasury down seven thirty seconds. The yield one point seven nine percent. On the two year, 0.76%. NYMEX crude oil up half percent or 22 cents to 41.98 a barrel. COMEX gold is down nine tenths percent or $11.30 to 12.37.20 an ounce. The euro, $1.1277. The yen, 109.16. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much. Well, a lot going on in the world today, but here's the story, Tom, that is going to be the number one discussion item on trading floors today. The Tennessee Titans have agreed to trade the number one pick in the National Football League draft to the Los Angeles Rams. What does that mean? In exchange, no the Rams give up to Tennessee the number. Uh, they the, the the actually the Rams get the number one pick along with fourth and sixth round picks. Tennessee gets Los Angeles's first round pick at number fifteen and two second round picks and a third round pick. They also get the Rams' first and third round picks in two thousand seventeen. It's important for these football teams because uh, the Rams need a quarterback, and they are moving to Los Angeles. They need a headliner picking number one. They should be able to get one. They could actually get Jared Goff from the University of uh, California. But um, it, it's a big deal for you if you have a fantasy football team, and everybody on Trading Force has a fantasy football team. Of course. They do. I'm so it's clueless. It's a, uh, a big story. In football, the, um, the the Titans trade the number one pick in the draft to the Rams for two number ones and a two-second and a third-round pick. That's a huge, huge haul. Very cool. I, I did not know that. Jack Russo with us with Edward D. Jones for years covering boring food stocks, which sometimes get so boring, Jack, even you <laughs> wrung your hands. Campbell's Soup is an example of a stock that is a cliche, went nowhere forever. You lived that. And then all of a sudden, it's a moonshot. And the mystery to clients, to our listeners, is their revenue growth is 2%, 1%, negative 3%. Their EBITDA growth is actually pretty good, putting on cash. They spend $300, $400 million a year on CapEx. How did the stock become a moonshot? If the if the product and the performance of management was so mediocre, what happened with Campbell's Soup? Well, that's a great question. And, again, you could probably, my answer, you could probably give that for a lot of other stocks in the consumer staples space. We're not seeing a lot of sales growth right now, but what these companies have done, and you've got to give them some credit for this, is they've cut costs pretty aggressively and they're getting the benefit from lower input or commodity costs as grains costs are down and a lot of costs that make their products are lower than they were a couple of years ago. But to your point, given the valuations of where these companies are, right. you'd like to see them, I mean, in the old days, and I've been doing this for a long time, you only gave premium valuations to companies that grew sales and earnings. Now it almost seems like investors want to own consumer staples so bad that they don't even care if they're growing sales as long as they're growing earnings. Right. 
And I understand that, but at some point, you know, how much more can you really materially cut cost? And then at some point, the commodity cost tailwind, as we've seen over time, could become a headwind. Right. So, so, so we'll have to monitor how this, how this develops. Denise Morrison comes out of Boston College. She has a great career. She goes up the Campbell Soup food chain. She eats tomato soup four times a week. I get that. The fear of all of us is those dog stocks for decades will go back to being dogs. Or is this, a, and the key question for Jack Russo, is this a secular forever change in boring blue chips? I think what will happen, I'll give you the, the answer that's probably in between the two uh, answers that you gave. I think what we could see is that instead of these stocks going much higher from here, going much lower from here, they could go sideways from here for a while. They might, their, their P multiples for a lot of these consumer staples names are pretty high. And we might have to see a period where earnings kind of have to grow into the multiple. Um, now, unless they can start growing sales and, and start boosting the top line, then perhaps, you know, uh, the group has more, uh, you know, room to run upward. But I think what we could see is the group kind of trade sideways here for a while, just given how much they've, they've come in a, in a short matter of time. Uh, M- uh, Michael McKee, full surveillance disclosure I'm basically addicted to Camel's tomato juice, just so everybody knows that. I, I mean, I've tried like eight of them, including the the overpriced ones with almond milk in them or whatever, gluten-free this, and I just keep going back to Camel's. You're, just you're, so you're, you're hoping that uh, they falter so the price goes down. and yeah. That will be New Jersey-based. Yeah. Uh, you also cover the soft drink space with Pepsi and Coke, and these are um, iconic brands that, in and of themselves are good, but people just don't seem to want to drink as much of that stuff anymore. Health reasons, I guess. So, how do they make money going forward? You know, how much confidence can you have in them? Right. Well, that's a that's another good question. Now, the, the two primary companies there are Pepsi and Coke. I mean, Pepsi first is really half a food company with Frito Lay and half a beverage company. So they're not nearly as exposed to, and what you're referring to is a decline in carbonated soft drinks. Um, we're seeing plenty of growth in teas and juices and bottled waters and sports drinks, you know, that sort of thing. So luckily both Coke and Pepsi have those products in their portfolio, but they also have a lot of exposure to carbonated soft drinks. I mean, diet sodas have declined even more so than regular sodas. This is taking place more so in North America, but even we're seeing it somewhere, uh, some countries overseas. So it's important, like to be Pepsi, to have a portfolio where you have food in there, too, and snacks to kind of offset some of the weakness we've seen in carbonated soft drinks. Tell me about the dividend growth. We, we, we talked about that just very quickly here. Are these nominal GDP dividend growers, or can they actually leverage up and do better? Well, I'd say most of them right now are growing their dividend annually somewhere in the 5 to 7% yeah. range on average. And that's excluding, you know, the impact from the from the strong dollar, which has kind of held back those numbers. But in normal times, it's going to be somewhere from okay. five to seven. Jack, Most of them have dividend yields around two and a half, three percent. Jack Russo, thrilled to have you on. He is with Edward D. Jones. There's an update, folks. Soon they'll all be trading at thirty multiples. They'll look like internet stocks. Uh, we're going to get the markets open. Bloomberg surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.
is Bloomberg Surveillance. The regulatory rules over the last five years have made it very difficult for any bank to optimize their balance sheet. The story as earnings will unfold is everybody will tell you, well, the companies are doing better than we thought. They do every quarter. If you get in oil prices into the 50 to $55 range, you know, we've got 15 billion barrels of resource that's economic. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance. We just heard from Dennis Lockhart, a wonderful interview with Kathleen Hayes on Atlanta GDP Now and the rest of it. And seriously, an earthquake in the south of Japan, 49 miles from Nagasaki, Kumamoto, and the island of Kyushu. That's the island off to the south, the big island off to the south, I should say, of Japan. Don't want to make too much of it. 6.0, very different from the 6.9 and much worse that we've seen in previous earthquakes of 1923 and 1995. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, our Forex Brief, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex trading platform, visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. Dollar churning stronger all in all. Yen, excuse me, 109.28. Euro, 114, 113, 112. 79, 11279. And Euro Yen, 123.25. We had a 122 handle on Yen earlier. Before we get to our equity report, bank led by David Wilson, we need you to weigh in on the only debate that matters. It's not Dennis Lockhart at the Fed. It's not Chair Yellen. It's not Mark Carney. Did Led Zeppelin steal the opening chops of Stairway to Heaven from Randy California in Spirit? Well, if you listen to both, and this is all about this instrumental that Spirit did called Taurus. It's the focus of a lawsuit that's being heard right now. If you go back and listen to that instrumental, you can definitely hear the very beginning of like the first line of Stairway to Heaven uh, in uh, that song. Then again, you know, Led Zeppelin's piece goes on from there, and there's a lot happening that isn't in this song called Taurus. So it, it will be interesting, you know, in yeah. terms of you know how much right. sort of lifting you know do you have to acknowledge on and a legal And it was a few basis. years ago, forty-five or Great. so. I got a line on you. I got a line on bank earnings. Help me with Bank of America right now. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to talk more broadly because you know we've had five financial companies in the Standard Poor's 500 report this morning. All their shares are lower. Big difference from yesterday when J.P. Morgan Chase's numbers came out and the bank stocks rallied. We'll start with Bank of America. Their shares are down half a percent. Earnings at the second biggest U.S. bank trailed analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Uh, the profit shortfall tied to a drop in trading and underwriting revenue and an increase in energy-related bad debt. No doubt will be common themes this earnings season. Wells Fargo down 1%, while the bank's first quarter earnings and revenue beat estimates, returns were lower than projections. Wells Fargo set aside more money to offset sour loans and also had higher expenses. PNC Financial down 2.5%. The bank's first quarter adjusted earnings and revenue trailed projections. PNC studying a drop in stock and bond-related fees along with losses on energy loans. BlackRock down 1.5%. First quarter profit of the world's largest money manager fell 20% in part because of a charge taken to cut jobs. BlackRock's adjusted earnings were below the average projection as market volatility hurt revenue. And the last of the five uh, financial earnings, progressive, down half a percent. The auto insurer's first quarter earnings trailed estimates even after pre-tax gains totaling $17.4 million. And there was another uh, earnings shortfall. 
uh, actually uh, revenue when it comes to Seagate technology. The disk drive maker was out late yesterday for preliminary results. Revenue and profit margin for the fiscal third quarter failed to meet estimates. Seagate said demand for many of its products fell unexpectedly. That stock's down 12.5%. Rival Western Digital lower by 5.5%. You want good news on earnings? One Look more. at Delta Airlines. Carrier's first quarter profit beat analyst estimates. Savings from lower fuel costs outweighed softer demand after the Brussels terror attack and weakness in foreign currencies. And you're also seeing gains in American Air, Southwest Air, and United Continental. Okay. David, thank you so much. Um, if you have blue chip stocks... This is without question the most important interview of the week. Jack Russo has covered Colgate, I think, since the invention of toothpaste. It goes back that far for years. And a former colleague of mine at A.G. Edwards, now at Edward Jones, he is the king of certain cash flow, which, Jack, I would suggest has been priced to perfection. Is your world... Truly priced to perfection going back 20, 30, and 40 years. Well, certainly consumer stable stocks have, have been, you know, very popular for investors in the last couple of years. They're seen as a place that is safe. Uh, obviously the, the dividend yields are very high and all investors are searching for income and yields. So I think the combination of just nervous investors, um, I think the, uh, the dividends these companies provide have, Really led to a big rush yeah. of investors into into consumer staples, and, and you're right, valuations are historically high. How do you respond to that? I mean, if we go back to the Nifty Fifty, Michael McKee is too young to remember the Nifty Fifty. <laughs> Budweiser, Black oh, and Decker, Eli Lilly, a company called Eastman Kodak. You may remember that, folks. Yeah. Jack Russo, the Nifty. What is it? Twenty now. When you see a multiple of 22 or 25 in this world, how does a grizzled pro like you respond to that? Yeah, it has taken a little bit of time to get used to that, quite honestly. And really, it's all relative because it's where this group is really trading, you know, versus the S&P 500 and, and, and other groups. The S&P 500 multiple is 17 times right now, which is a little bit higher than historical average. Not a lot, but... You know, I would say, again, it's just this ongoing love affair with these stocks, and it's hard to predict when or if that's going to change. It, uh, you certainly have to get participation from other sectors like energy, uh, like industrials, um, materials, you know, those financials. Those sectors are going to have to perform better if we're going to see valuations pull back in stables. At this point, uh what does it look like for that? I mean, is there a way to read into what may happen? It's such an uncertain time. Well, you're right. And if you look at the rest of this year, the uncertainty may last. I mean, we've got an election year obviously taking place, so who knows what's going to happen this summer at the Republican convention. You've got uh, concerns about, you know, what's going to happen in Europe in terms of the Brexit. And you've got emerging markets still. There's uncertainty with China and the growth there or lack of growth. Um, so, I, you know, you've got a lot of question marks, and that's why our best guess is that uh, kind of safe places to be, whether it's utilities, telecom, consumer staples, some parts of healthcare, that these areas probably will remain in vogue uh, uh, for the rest of this year at least. I would imagine that you, what you want to look for is are, are companies in this sector who can – uh, get growth in the United States since the rest of the world seems to be um, in a funk, although 
most of the companies that you cover uh, have heavy exposure overseas. Well, it's kind of yeah, it's a really interesting question you ask because if you go back, you know, probably seven or eight years ago, the the consumer staples companies that only had business in North America or the U.S. were kind of the ones you you put to the side. You wanted to invest in staples companies that had this great exposure overseas, and then as you pointed out in the last year or two, that's really changed where we've seen this, you know, again, money pouring into uh, the companies now, investors wanting just own domestic-only names. And now that's changed a little bit in the last few months because the dollar has weakened instead of gotten stronger, but who knows? I mean, that will depend a lot upon what the Fed does and where rates go from here. But it is interesting, that dynamic. It's kind of changed a little bit. I still think it's long-term, it's you know preferable that you right. find staples companies that have exposure you know in these markets right. where you're going to see a lot of population growth and yeah. income growth. Jack, I, you know, Tenneco was the was the uh, poster child for responsible use of balance sheet in the, in the cyclical movements of the market. If I pick on Colgate again with 9.9% debt, 90% equity, dirt cheap debt money, obviously with a rating, their weighted cost of capital has come in almost 200 basis points over five years. Money's cheap. How will they respond when the gift goes away? Did they just, did they retire debt? What is the do for these blue chips when the party's over and the punch bowl's emptied? Well, I mean, your points are good ones, but remember that these companies sell products that people use in good times or bad. Colgate's one of those. And uh, and actually, you know, oral care consumption, even in emerging markets, the last couple of years has been on the rise, despite, you know, a lot of economic problems in some of these countries like Brazil. Um, so these companies, I think, can have a little bit more debt on their balance sheet just because, again, the cash flow is really predictable. The sales and earnings streams are pretty predictable, too. So I wouldn't get too uh, concerned about their debt levels. They can pay that down very easily. And, again, a very consistent sales and earnings stream for these companies. You okay over there, Mike? Yes, I thought you were following up. No, I am. I, well, Jack Russo, I can do that. I mean, yes, you can. Jack, you've got a seven percent dividend growth for Colgate. That's two hundred beeps over. This is now. a question no. for him to think about. GDP, going yeah, we got to come back. We're going to come back with Jack Russo and talk about <clears throat> the fact Tom Keene is a yield hog, John Tucker's a yield hog, Michael McKee is a yield. But hog. I'm polite about. Jack Russo goes bass fishing at Edward D. Jones, and his boat is called Yield Hog. We'll come back with Jack Russo of uh, Edward D. Jones and look at the blue chips of the consumer world. First, though, we're going to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Tonight, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders will be debating for the first time in more than a month. They will face off in Brooklyn ahead of next Tuesday's New York primaries. Bloomberg Radio will carry the Democratic debate live starting at 9 p.m. Wall Street time. A powerful earthquake with a preliminary magnitude of 6.4 has struck southern Japan. Authorities say there's no danger of a tsunami. The U.S. will start joint patrols with the Philippines in the South China Sea. U.S. Defense Secretary Ash Carter says the Allies are seeking to stop China's assertiveness in the busy shipping lane. The Golden State Warriors have set an NBA record, winning 73 games in the season. And while that was going on, Kobe Bryant scored 60 points in his farewell NBA game. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. A little green on the screen, up two, futures up two. The VIX closing yesterday, a lofty 
and diminished VIX 13.84 with Jack Russo of Edward D. Jones, Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Driver is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today.